have your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Luke chapter 15, because that's where we'll eventually get. But, uh, wow, that's just, you know, that's just thrilling. First of all, it's just amazing that anybody could write that out and then be able to reverse that. But uh, it just captures uh, the reversal that I hope... You have experienced, and if you haven't, and you're looking for a reversal in your life, well, that's what we're here to talk about this morning. I want to start off with uh, this thought. On Christmas Eve 2012, two young men attacked and beat to death Alan Greaves, a 68-year-old organist who was on his way to church to play for a carol service in London. His widow, Maureen Greaves, with immense courage and struggle, expressed her forgiveness of the two young men while accepting and approving the justice of their conviction and imprisonment. After the court case, here's what she said. Alan was a man driven by love and compassion, and he would not want any of us to hold on to feelings of hate and unforgiveness. So in honor of Alan, And the God we both love, my prayer is this, that the killers would come to understand and experience the love and kindness of the God who made them in his own image, and that God's great mercy will inspire them to true repentance. That's just amazing. That's just amazing. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being forgiving like God is in forgiving. Or in February 2015, jihadis from the self-described Islamic State murdered 21 Coptic Orthodox Christian men, migrant workers from Egypt. You remember those orange jumpsuits and even the blood that washed up on the sands from their beheadings. They beheaded them on that beach. The news shocked the world and brought intense grief to Egypt, especially to the village where many of these men came from. And the mother of one of the victims had this to say about the murders of her son. I can't wish them evil. I pray for them that God may open their hearts and give them his light. What these illustrations show us is that you and I can recover the lost art of being forgiving. They didn't, these folks did not excuse or overlook or ignore the injustice, their hurt, the sin, the great sin against humanity and against their loved ones. And they didn't say, I forgive you, even though you're not repentant. What they said was, I pray for your repentance. I pray for your forgiveness because I am willing to forgive you just as God in Christ has forgiven me. Well, when we recover the lost art of being forgiving, we do two things. We first, we reproduce. We reproduce the hard attitude of Jesus on the cross. That's what makes Good Friday good. Jesus was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We looked at that last Sunday on Palm Sunday. But another thing, when we recover the art of being forgiving, we reflect God's unconditional attitude. We reflect God's unconditional attitude towards sinners in general. And that's what I want us to look at this Resurrection Sunday. I like what A.W. Tozer says. I think it's in your notes. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
And if there's one thing, there's many things we need to think, but one thing I want you to think about this Easter is that God is a forgiving God even toward the unrepentant, even toward those that don't even acknowledge their sin. They don't ask for forgiveness. They don't even, they might not even believe in God. And yet he is forgiving towards them. And I just want you to realize that this morning, potentially, there's three kinds of people here. There are people who are far from God and they need to hear that God has a forgiving heart towards them. And there may be some, or, or there are those who claim to be near to God. They're not far. They claim to be near, but they don't have God's heart for those who are far from God. And then there are hopefully those who are truly near to God and reflect His heart to those who are far from God. And so the goal this morning is that we all move into that third category. Amen. And I, I, can, I, can't, I can't speak for you, I can speak for me. I, I need to move further into that third category, where I reflect God's heart for those who are far from Him. And so we're going to look at this in a macro and a micro way. We're going to take a, a big picture view of the God, God the Father's heart for the unrepentant sinner. And then we're going to look at a more micro, a more personal, of how God's uh, how, how his forgiving attitude is shown to those that actually repent. So let's look at it. First of all, how God the Father shows a forgiving attitude towards unrepentant sinners. Unrepentant. Okay, we've got uh, some artwork here from our lovely ladies that came up here. I hated to erase it. They spent much time on this. So tell them it was appreciated. Okay, so... Unrepentant. What do we mean by that? Well, as I said, these are people who are far from God and they don't know it. And if they do know it, they don't care. You know, uh, they may not even acknowledge what they're doing is sinful. They may not even acknowledge a belief in God. Or if they believe in God, they don't make Him a priority in their life. They, don't, they haven't crossed the line from unbelief to belief. So they're unrepentant. What is God's general attitude? Well, I want to show you this because for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about being forgiving. And, and I came across these four aspects. And so we're going to hit them real generally and real quickly. But I want you to understand that these are the four, this is the fourfold attitude God always has towards the unrepentant. First of all, his unchanging character. His unchanging character towards sinners. If you would look up these verses, Exodus 34, Numbers 14, here's what it says about God's character. The Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. This is a part of God's unchanging character. God can't change that. That is who He is. He is forgiving. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering, can I approach God with my sin? You you need to understand, He has a forgiving heart. It's in His character. All right, so God isn't like us because sometimes I can be more forgiving than other times. Anybody, you know what I mean? You wake up on the right side of the bed, family's luck's out. There's a lot of forgiveness coming around, right? Wake up on the wrong side of the bed and nobody can do anything right. 
You don't have to worry about that. That's not how our God is. Amen. Can I get an amen? Unchanging character. Unchanging. Now, there's justice there, right? As soon as he says he forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So we need to come and ask forgiveness, but he has a forgiving attitude. Number two, he his unappreciated care of sinners, his unappreciated care. So he has this unchanging character, but he also has this care for sinners that they don't even appreciate, acknowledge, or recognize. I love these verses. Matthew 5, 43 through 47. It's Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, we can, we can get into that, right? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Why? For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, guess what? All the world is filled with many unrepentant sinners, and every morning God gives them breath. Every morning God lets them see these marvelous sunrise. He doesn't segregate those just for the ones that acknowledge him. He gives rain, sun, laughter, family, and Moment after moment, sinners are enjoying this. People who are far from God are enjoying this, and they never once pause to think, thank you. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing, gracious, forgiving attitude. Luke 6, Jesus says it again. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Why? For he himself, now catch this, he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, be forgiving, just as your Father is forgiving. That's just amazing. God's general attitude towards those who are far from him. Number three, he shows them undeserved compassion. He shows them undeserved compassion. Here are these people. Our planet is filled with people who every day get up. Some of them shake their fist at God. Some of them use his name in vain, and it's only a cuss word. Uh, These are people that may think God's last name is Dam. And that's the only reference to God. And yet God has compassion on them. How undeserving. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God has every right in his holiness to crush us. And yet he gives life and breath and strength. It's amazing. You look at the story of Jonah. We can't expound all of that. But the story of Jonah is about God's forgiving attitude to the people of Nineveh who make... You know, uh, they, they could have taught Hitler a thing or two. Their cruelty, their brutality was that great. And Jonah's like, I don't want to show compassion to those guys. I don't want to go give them the opportunity to repent. I don't want to share with them the good news of the gospel. And God said, look, I have compassion. I have compassion on these people. Number four, his unlimited concern for sinners. His unlimited concern for sinners. This Easter, the ultimate thing we want to be thinking about is that when Christ died on the cross, 
He made a provision. God the Father made a provision for every people group, tongue, language, and, and every person on this planet. And Christ the Savior made a payment and cover, made a payment that would cover the sins of the whole world. You can see this in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 2.2. Jesus Himself is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 Timothy 4.10. For it is this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who's the Savior of all men, especially of believers. So here's what we realize. The Father's provision and the Son's payment on the cross was sufficient for all. That is an unlimited concern that paid the price. But only those who are elect and choose to and hear the gospel and choose to believe, only they receive the actual provision. Only they are actually forgiven. But the reality is this, God's heart is for all people. Isn't that amazing? You can go on to our website this morning. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our, to our uh, website, glenwoodconnection.org, and you can see video of Easter services of our global partners in Mongolia, in Nepal, in Germany. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because this pay, God has this unlimited concern. He's not just focused on America, folks. Amen? He's focused on every people group, every tongue, every language. And that means you and you and you. And that's why we have our Nigerian sister sitting here. Amen. Aren't you glad he cared about Nigeria? He has a forgiving attitude. Even to Boko Haram. Even ISIS. Right? We have a message for everybody. Well, now we're going to move from that macro big picture. And we're going to move from the more impersonal and abstract. I want to take a personal look. Turn your Bibles, or maybe you're already there, Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at this parable of the prodigal son. More accurately, the parable of the prodigal son ought to be the parable of the two sons. Because in, uh, in uh, the first verse of this parable, verse 11, it says, Now a father had two sons. In fact, I would say to you this morning, this is really the parable of the forgiving father. Now, I've got a whole series laid out. We'll look at this like for seven weeks in the future sometime. But for today, I want you to just look at, at the, the main thing is how God the Father shows a forgiving attitude towards repentant sinners. How does he view those who do come to him and repent? Repentant sinners, ones that recognize, I have sinned. Ones that recognize I need to confess my sins. Ones that recognize I need to ask forgiveness. Now, you've got to understand the context here of Luke chapter 15. Jesus is welcoming these kind of people into his presence. People who are far from God. He's welcoming them, he's eating with them, he's accepting them, he's enjoying them, he's welcoming them into his presence. And the people who claim to be near to God are angry. They're grumbling. You see, they don't reflect 
God's heart for those who are far from God. And so they're upset. And they are the Pharisees and the Bible scholars. They were surprised, shocked, and even angry that Jesus was having this kind of heart. But you see, they were the ones who claimed to be in God's house and knowing God the longest, and yet they didn't reflect his heart for these people who were far from God. And so Jesus tells them this story of two sons, both in need of forgiveness, and a father with a very forgiving heart, but a heart that would not forgive apart from the choice to repent and come to him for forgiveness. So let's let's take a look at it. First, we're going to look at the heart of the repentant son, and then we're going to look more time into the heart of the forgiving father. So let's take a look. Verses uh, Luke 15, verses 17 through 20. This In this story, the younger son comes to his dad, asks for his inheritance. The father grants it to him, even though he doesn't deserve it and he shouldn't do it. He grants it to him. And he goes off into a far country and he, he wastes it in immoral, living, drunken parties, carrying on with people who are far from God. He's living far from God. But, verse 17, But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. Now, in this, we see three marks of a repentant heart. Okay, so here's a heart that's coming back to God. Number one, his repentance was rooted in a change of mind or heart. His repentance was rooted in a change of mind or heart. He's out there living far from God, and the Bible says he came to his senses. In other words, he suddenly saw himself for what he was. He saw his sin for what he was. He saw his father for who he was, and he's like, I'm ready for a change. I want a reversal. Okay, He comes to his, ch- his senses, and he has this change of mind. Secondly, His repentance was revealed in a change of life. He did something about it. How many people, how many people get up or even go to bed thinking, I want to come back to God, but they don't do anything about it. They don't do anything about it. This man returned without any demands, no conditions, no excuses, no blame shifting. Look at what he says. Verse 18 and 19. I will get up, I'll go to my father, and this is what I'm going to say. I've sinned, I'm no longer worthy, make me one of your hired men. This guy does a total 180 degree, right? He's in this far country, and he literally goes back to the scene of the crime. In other words, he goes back to where his sin started. And I'm telling you, one of the hardest things about coming back to God that we have to remember is basically there's a part where we departed and you have to go back to that point in time and make things right with God. And so he he literally, you know, turned around and headed back home. That's repentance. Coming back to God to confess, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And that brings us to the third aspect of his repentance. His repentance was reported with a confession of sin. He 
he came back to the Father, and exactly what he rehearsed, he said. And he said to him, look, I've sinned. Not, and here's the thing. When we sin, we're not just sinning against people. We're always sinning against who? We're always sinning against God. And that's kind of the heart. So we always kind of want to separate that. I'll confess my sins to God, but I'm not going to admit anything to people. Or I'll go talk to people, but I'm not going to talk to God. And he got it right. He got it right. He understood that he had sinned against both. Now, that's the heart of repentance. Last couple of weeks, we've been teaching on that kind of stuff. Let's look at the heart of the forgiving father, because it's one thing to return but how is the father going to respond? You ever had that 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 thought? First, about just in relation to you and God. What I you know? Yeah, I know he knows everything, but I just don't want to bring it up. It makes it more real, right? Or have you ever had to go to someone? And you're like, I mean, this is one of the things when I when I counsel or even for myself, uh, you got to prepare yourself when you go to people. You just don't know how they're going to respond. Well, listen, when it, when it's God. Here are seven characteristics of God the Father. Here's how he always welcomes sinners, people who are far from God. So look at verse 20. Luke 15, look at verse 20. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, he begins to rehearse the very things that he had said in his heart. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And he can't complete it because the father's forgiving heart interrupts. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come alive again. He was lost and he has been found and they began to celebrate. There's the message of Easter. Isn't that beautiful? We don't think of Luke 15 being a, 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 a Easter lesson, but indeed it is. A man went from death unto life. He went from being dead in his sins to alive. Well, here's how it happened. Here's the heart of a forgiving father. Number one, he kept one eye on the horizon. From the day his son left, in, in, in rebellion and hardness of heart, from the day he left, that dad kept one eye on the horizon with a forgiving heart that was ready and willing to forgive. Is that beautiful? When he was, notice what it says in verse 20, but while he was a still a long way off, how did he seem? Because he was looking. He was looking. Hey, that's beautiful. You know, before you even thought about coming back to God, he was looking for you. Are you with me? That's beautiful. I mean, we don't get over, don't, don't become apathetic on this. Don't, don't take this for granted. Those of us who claim to be near to God, don't ever get over this. 
He kept one eye on the, on the horizon. Now, that is just amazing. The father saw him a long way off, which means he was looking with hopefulness for his return. God the Father has a, a forgiving heart that is always looking for, eager for, and hoping for the return of those who are far from him, even those who have shamed and dishonored his name. Wow, isn't that great? Man. The father didn't try to control the prodigal. He allowed him to leave. The son disgraced him and said, I want my inheritance, which is basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, but you're not, so give me the money anyway. Now, the son, the father could have lectured him. The father could have said no, but the father knew his son's heart wasn't with him. And he said, okay, if your heart's not with him, with me, I'm going to let you feel the weight of your sin." He allowed the son to suffer and feel the weight of his sin. The father didn't chase after the prodigal. He's looking, but he's not doing a search. He's not, he's not putting his face on milk cartons, looking. Now, believe me, the previous stories in Luke 15 talk about seeking the lost coin, the lost sheep. But listen, sheep and coins don't have a will made in the image of God. And so there's something different going on here. He's seeking for his son, but he's not leaving his responsibilities. He's not chasing after him, trying to control him, trying to limit his consequences. Wow. He didn't let the prodigal control him or his convictions. Instead, a forgiving heart fulfills daily responsibilities, but keeps one eye on the horizon, all, always ready to drop whatever you're doing when that person is coming back home. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful balance? Beautiful balance. Beautiful balance. Number two, second characteristic of our forgiving God. He saw him with compassion that revealed a tender heart of kindness and sympathy. So he got up, he came to his father, verse 20, but while he was long off, long ways off, his father saw him, and I have to admit, you know, if I saw someone, if, 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 if taking my daughter, if my daughter's disgraced, dishonored my name, and went to a far country and lived in a drunken and more moral fashion, boy, we are sending these kids off to college, aren't we? <laughs> You know what? If that happened and you saw them, sometimes we have what kind of attitude? We're going to make them what? Make them pay for it, right? I love you, but I got to beat you a little bit here before I can forgive you, right? And he sees him afar off and he sees him with compassion. Now, I don't fully understand this observation I'm about to make, but when you trace compassion throughout the Bible, it always, it's always linked with seeing. Seeing is always linked with compassion. You see people as they really are, and you have a heart of compassion. I can't explain. You just trace it through your Bible. Compassion is a result of seeing things. See, as long as you keep people at a distance, you can be hard towards them. You can be unforgiving towards them, but when you see them as real people, in a sense, when you walk in their sandals, here's what the father did. He saw his son, and he said, you know what? If that was me coming home, I would want compassion. And so he sees him with compassion. Isn't that good? 
If that was me coming back, I wouldn't want to be lectured. I wouldn't want to be uh, put down. I wouldn't want to have to be beaten up and, and earned. I wouldn't want to be made to grovel. I would just want to know it's okay. You can come home. Amen? And so he sees him with compassion. He accepted him as as he was, but he loved him too much to leave him that way. He puts himself in his sandals and treated him as he would want to be treated. Now, he's not giving him forgiveness, but he's showing him a forgiving heart. Third characteristic. You know how we know he had compassion and a forgiving heart? This is the most beautiful part. He sees him with compassion because compassion has to act. And what does he do? He runs to him. Is that beautiful? He runs to him. The most beautiful in all of Scripture. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran. He ran. God is running towards those who are far from him. Amen? As those who are far from him turn and come towards him, God is running towards them. Are you and I running towards the lost? Did we run to them this last week to invite and have them come? Are we going to run to them this week? He ran to him. And this was, listen, you've got to catch this. This was shameful for a man of his age. Dads don't run after, now, you know, this is totally opposite in our culture, okay? You know, the kids are king and they tell us what to do. In that culture, dads don't run. Older men don't run at all. You go to the older people and you venerate and respect the older. So this father is doing something that in his culture is disgraceful. And not only was it disgraceful and ruinous to his reputation, he was willing to risk his reputation to show a forgiving heart. But it was difficult, made difficult by his robes. I mean, these guys are dressed in robes. You know how the Bible says, gird up your loins? It sounds scary, I know. But, but it's really just taking your robe and tucking it in your belt so you can run. So here's this old man running towards a disgraced son who is walking towards him. You just don't see that every day. Amen? It's just amazing. Only a father with a heart of forgiveness would run to a disgraced son that was walking towards him. Fourth characteristic, he accepted him back. Number four, he accepted him back with undeserved and unrestrained love. So he's running towards him. Now, you've got to understand, the son doesn't know what's happening. So the son is coming, and all of a sudden, yes, you know it, Kirk, right? Dad's running at me, and dads aren't supposed to be running. Dad must have an important re- dad. You know, I mean, I, I kind of picture him like this, right? You know, he's like, oh, 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 and he runs to him, and what does he do? He embraces him and kisses him. And, I, you know, I thank God for our uh, family that we've gotten to know, Syrian refugees here in the Northeast, and so hopefully see them again this afternoon. And uh, when we have taken him to the chiropractor, Gwen and I have taken him a couple times on, on my day off, taking him to the chiropractor, he comes home, he comes back, and he's so thankful. And then I have this very awkward experience where he kisses me repeatedly. And, you know, it's just us Americans, I'm just like... 
<laughs> you know, he's just kissing me. And, uh, and he's about my height. And so it's just a very interesting experience. But you know what? It's love. It's love. And this is what the father did. The father just kissed and kissed and kissed. Now, you've got to understand, this leaves, he embraced and kissed. This leaves no doubt about the heart of the father toward the son and his sin. I'm glad to see you. I'm ready to forgive you. I welcome you back into my home. I receive you back into my arms and my life. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? And this was highly unusual. Usually there would be punishment. Usually there would be need for groveling. There would literally be a requirement of come and kiss my feet and show me the honor that you refused. You know, you've disrespected me. Now you need to honor me. You see, this is pure mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. What did he? What, what should he have been running up to that boy to do? Punish him, right? Punish him. And this is grace getting what you don't deserve. This father is not only going to hug and kiss on this kid, this young man who smells like pigs, who's in ratty clothes and looks like a filthy beggar, which is what he was. But listen, he's going to give him more than he deserves. Look at number five. Number five, he immediately forgave him. He immediately forgave him on the basis of, a rep- of his repentance and was quick to reconcile, reconcile and restore him to a right relationship. Look at verse 21. In between the huggings and the kissings, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slave, he says, look, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's like, whoa, stop right there. I see your repentance. I hear your confession. I am willing and ready to forgive. Slaves, and he turns to his servants. And he does something that is just amazing. Let's look at it. Number one, he orders the servants to dress this son of mine. Way down in verse 24, he calls him this son of mine. He didn't disown him. He didn't reject him. He orders the servants to dress this son of mine like servants do a king. But the father said to the slaves. Now, Far from ordering his son to act like a slave and earn his forgiveness, he treats him like the son that he always was. How many of you watch Downton Abbey and will admit it? I will. Okay, I can lose my man card today. Downton Abbey, great show. you got to watch that show. It is a great show. And the master of the manor and the, and the lady of the manor get dressed by people. You know, as I was putting my tie on today, I was like, this would be wonderful just to stand here and have someone dress me like a king. Wouldn't that be great, Brandon, every day? Somebody dress you, right? So here's the deal. They're say, he's saying, look, you're not a slave. I'm going to have our servants dress you. I'm going to have our servants dress you. They're going to treat you like royalty. Not only that, but number two, put the best robe on him. Put the best robe. Now, you got to understand, this guy took all his clothes when he left. So whose robe is going to be put on him? Whose robe do you think it is? 
The dad's. It's the dad's best robe. Put the best robe. Wait a minute, isn't this the guy that disrespected you? Isn't this the son that has dishonored you? Look at him. He's a filthy, dirty, rotten mess. I know. Dress him as if he was me. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture on this Resurrection Sunday of when we come to God the Father and we have nothing to offer Him. Our best righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. And God the Father takes the robe of His Son's righteousness and puts on stinky, sinful sinners like us. Is that not beautiful? That's the picture right here. That's the picture. He's clothed with integrity that He doesn't deserve. Number three, put a ring on his finger. Put a ring. Now, this is what gets me the most excited, I think. The ring was probably a signet ring, which is a ring of authority. It's a ring with a seal on it. In other words, he was given the authority to act on behalf of the Father and to do business in the Father's name. Whoa. What's this guy's track record? What would Dave Ramsey say about this guy? Would this guy get the Dave Ramsey seal of approval? No. He has wasted, he has wasted potentially half of the father's estate. Not one that we would trust with riches and honor and family business and family name. But he says, I give you authority to act in my name, do business in my place. Wow. Number four, he puts sandals on his feet. He puts sandals on his feet, according to verse 22. Another sign of being a family member. Slaves and servants did not wear shoes. Only the family walked in shoes. He's, he, he is told to walk now in loyalty and security as being a son. Do you get the picture here? Have you captured the heart of forgiveness? It's not, he's not just being forgiven. He's being received back. He's not just being received back. He's being welcomed back. He's not just being welcomed back. He's being honored with the privilege of sonship fully restored. Wow. Number six, that's something you celebrate. So number six, he celebrated his repentance and restoration of the relationship with others. He says, bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. A forgiving heart always wants to celebrate the fact that those who are far from God have come home. Amen. Isn't that good? And the fatted calf was a lot of meat. And you didn't have refrigeration. So that meant a lot of people were going to come. The whole community, which, by the way, would have all known about the disgrace. And they would have wanted to punish the son as well. And he's saying, no, all things are right. Don't take up my grievances because my grievances are done with. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. Wow. Number seven, he joyfully proclaimed. He joyfully proclaimed the forgiveness and the reconciliation and the restoration. Because look at verse 24. He says, there's going to be a party, and I want everybody to know why there is a party. The son of mine, my son, was dead, and he's come to life again. He was lost, and he's been found, and they pawed. Amen? That's the story of Easter, right? Now, there's another son, though, in the story. There's another son. And we got to look at him. Because 
This story tells us how God's children fail to follow in their father's footsteps and be forgiving towards repentant sinners. You see, the father has set the example and sons are to reflect their father's heart of forgiveness. So look at verse 25 through 32. Now, his older son was in the field. And when he came up and he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. Look at how distant his relationship is with the father. He's way out in the field. The father's in the house. Instead of going in and interacting with the father, he does an end around and he talks to a servant. This son has a servant mindset and he is distant from his father. And... He summoned, he began inquiring, verse 27, and he came to him, and he said to him, Your brother, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now stop right there. If this son reflects his father's heart, what is he going to do? He's going to get excited, and he's going to go in and say, Wow, I was way out there. I was missing out on this. This is great. I've got my father's heart. But what's it say? But he became what? Angry. And was not willing to go in. And his father... Now, here's here's the forgiving heart of a father. Not only to those who are far from God, but those who claim to be close to God, but don't have a forgiving heart. Once again, the father disgraces himself and risks his reputation to forgive the older brother, because the brother should be the son should be coming to the father, but the father's going to the son. So the father comes out and he says to him, and the father was he was not willing to go in. His father came out, verse twenty eight, and began imploring him, but he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. Yet you have never given me even a young goat, much less a big fat calf, so that I might celebrate with my friends. This guy's got no heart to be with his father. He is no That verse right there makes him no different than the younger son. He would rather get from his dad and go party with his friends, but he's a good boy rebel instead of a bad boy rebel. And guess what? God has a forgiving heart towards both. And that's good news for everybody in this room. But when this son of yours... Notice, he ain't my brother. See, this, this, guy, this guy's got a servant mindset. But this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, listen to the father's heart, son... See, you're still my son. I see you as more than what you even see yourself. Son, you have always been with me. And all that that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and he has begun to live. And he was lost and he's been found. Wow. Here's what you don't want to have in your heart. Number one. When we fail to reflect the Father's heart, we become angry at God. We become angry. Listen, listen. His anger wasn't at the son or at his brother. His anger was at his father for having a forgiving heart 
Wow. We become angry. Number two, we refuse to accept those God has chosen to accept so freely and graciously. Just just catch verse 28. He refuses to go where the Father is, inside celebrating. He refuses to be what the Father is, and that's forgiving towards His Son. And He refuses to do what the Father is doing, and that's celebrating. Isn't that amazing? Number three, we maintain a hard heart filled with self-centered envy and jealousy. The Father is pleading. And the Son maintains a hard heart. Number four, we forget how much the Father has freely given us when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't understand it, when we didn't appreciate it. He says, Son, listen, all I've had has always been yours. And then number five, we miss out on celebrating the forgiveness and the grace that the Father gives. You know what's amazing about this story? There is no ending because we never know. Did he go in or did he stay out? Did he go in or did he stay out? What are you missing out on today with a heart of unforgiveness? What are you missing out on today by not receiving the forgiveness that God has for you? Does that make sense? So here's here I want to end with this. Reflect the Father's heart of being forgiving towards all who are far from him. First of all, be forgiving toward both the bad boy and the good boy rebels. Both need to repent and forgive. It's very popular today to be hard on the Pharisees and the religious folks. And guess what? That's an unforgiving attitude, right? It's real popular to forgive the, the rebels today and be hard on the religious. Well, guess what? God has a forgiving heart to everybody in this room. Uh, 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 me and... Uh, a Dane with ties on, and those of you that aren't in ties. You know what I mean? He, he's got a forgiving heart to everybody, right? Because no, putting this on, Dane, doesn't make you and I any better, does it? Amen. All right, number two, be willing to humble yourself in order to forgive others. The father had to risk his reputation in being forgiving. Do you catch that? There's nothing more humbling than having a forgiving heart. You can claim humility all you want, but if you're an unforgiving person, you're a proud person this morning. Number three, keep seeking and pleading with those who persist in their sin, but don't let them rob you of your joy and don't let them keep you from your daily responsibilities to the Lord and God's people. Plead, but don't chase after. And then number four, keep celebrating. Keep celebrating. When, when, when the lost get found... And when the dead are given life again. That's what we're here to celebrate today. Amen? Man, it's, is, is, was that good stuff? Is that good stuff? Okay, let's go to the Lord and thank Him for it. Father, we come and we thank You that You're an unchanging character is forgiving, caring, and concerned for those who are far from You. Not just in this city, country, church, but all around the world. We thank You for our brothers and sisters in Christ who already early during the night on the other side of the world were worshiping in Mongolian, worshiping in Nepalese, worshiping in German. People that we have partnered with, we give to, we pray for. And Lord, it's all because you have a forgiving heart. And it's because you have given your forgiveness to us when we came to you. 
And so if somebody's here that's far from you this morning, I pray that they will come to you with a broken heart, confessing their sins, and receive the free gift of Christ's righteousness. But Lord, many of us receive that gift, but how are we reflecting your heart? Oh, Father, give us your heart for those who are far from you, even if they're right here in this room, even if they seem to be near you, but indeed are far from you. Lord, let us be forgiving towards the real person that's way far from you, but even the person who thinks they're near, but are actually far. Because in the end, all of us fall in those categories. And all of us can receive the free gift of eternal life this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. One last time. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen.